Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we have some great, great topics that we're going to talk about. And we're going to answer what happens to those who have never heard the gospel or who have never heard about Jesus. That's a question my father asked me soon after I was saved. I witnessed to him, and that's the exact first question he asked me. Really? I didn't know the answer, but I do now. So the, what I find amazing is he actually asked you a question. It's a good question. That's a deep question. It is. That the fact that, that he wasn't saved and he asked you. Yeah, a lot of beer, a lot of whiskey, <laughs> a lot of partying and... <laughs> Had, had a little bit more uh, gray matter working, still working than what I realized. That's a great question. It's very deep. It's not a. Re- it's a. It's a clear answer from scripture yes. for sure. But the answer to it is it goes very deep, and it's 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 a passionate thing. I think you know. I think it is. I'm excited to talk about it because just asking the very question though says that God's not fair, or or insinuates. I think that it's God's a, not fair. I think it's a question that the enemy can frame up to do exactly that, to make it look like God is not a just God. Right. You know, people ask the question, well, would God send anybody to hell? Well, my answer to that is no, he doesn't send anybody to hell. People send themselves to hell right. uh, by their sin. But well, he just he just afford, he just just gives them the opportunity to choose. Exactly. I think a greater question would be is why would God let anybody go to heaven? That's even a greater question. Yeah, why would we why uh, why would we let anybody pollute, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially God. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to get started. Brother, if you would, please open us. Yes, Father in heaven, we pray that you'll take the word of God uh, through us to the hearts and ears of our listeners to edify, to build them up, to educate them biblically, to understand their times and know what to do. So we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Help us, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so what happens to those who have never heard the gospel or never heard about Jesus? Again, I think if if we're not careful, because uh, people at that point, what they're saying is, well, if they've never heard and they go to hell, that's unfair. It sounds that way. And and it's the furthest thing from it. There's, I'd like to just go right to the kind of the bottom line of, of this topic it, it, by way of question. Jesus always answered or gave questions to answer questions. We talk about what, what will their destiny be? Well, before we talk about their destiny, let's talk about their present life. How did they get lost? How did they, why did they not hear? The Bible talks about our forefathers, the sins of the forefathers will visit the, or the iniquity of the fathers will visit the children to the third and the fourth generation. Right. And we take about the topic, uh, it's, it's commonly called in theological circles, uh, why are the heathen lost? That why is a very important question, not just the, the are or, or how, but why. You, in your study of anthropology, you go back to the, all the people groups, uh, whether it be the Celtics in England or the Aboriginal peoples in Australia, wherever you go, you see a continuity of how they worship. They worship uh, paganism, worship of many gods. They have animal sacrifices. Oftentimes they have human sacrifices. Yeah. But when you study those cultures, a very interesting thing arises. All of them have a, a fall story, the fall of man, where man entered into sin. Yeah, great point. Original man, original woman. Uh, sometimes their names have been uh, culturally changed, but there's an original man, and there's a garden. There's a garden. Uh, there's man. Uh, there's a tempter, and there's sin. Every every people group has that. Number two, every people group has a flood story. Right. 
uh, Noah and the flood and the world well, and flood. And they actually use that fact to to say, well, the Bible's not every every everybody has the story. So what makes your story right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. The fact that they have the story is so interesting because there came a time when these people groups um, were sent out, Tower of Babel, Genesis 11. And when those people were spread out, they, they lost the ability to understand each other's language. When God confounded the languages, he did it big time. Yeah, he did a great job, didn't <laughs> wow, he? Wow, <laughs> did he confound the languages or what? But what they believed in the spirit world was didn't change. They just had different names for the, right. the old gods and they, they scattered all over the world. And there's these people groups now that are pagan, but they had a knowledge of God, right. the big issues, the fall, the temptation and fall of Adam. And well, Eve. you know, in, in the Quran or Quran, however you want to say it, Jesus is even in that. It talks about in the Quran that, and well, this is really interesting. Jesus is the only one in the Quran that gave life. Now, in the Quran, he gives life, he creates and gives life to a bird. But he creates it and he gives life to it. And as, as the Muslims have started reading that and they go, wow, Allah only takes life. Even in the Quran, Jesus is the only one in the Quran that gives life. Mm Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I've read it uh, from cover to cover twice. Interesting book. Wasn't at all what I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be almost like scripture, but things. It's all it is is uh, Muhammad's interpretation right. of scripture. It right. bounces all over the place, and uh, mm-hmm. some of the things I noticed different about it is there's no prophecies in the Quran. Right. Ten thousand three hundred sixty-five prophecies in the Bible, not one prophecy in the Quran. Also, I noticed that in the Bible, it talks about hell very clearly. Jesus spoke often of it. But in all the uh, biblical <clears throat> quotations on on hell, maybe, what, 50 in all of the Bible? Mm-hmm. And in the Quran, it's on almost every page, sometimes numerous. It, w- it shocked me. It was just this constantly. So this constant face. fear. Yeah, I had no uh, clue that agenda. that was that way. Yeah. Mm, that's interesting. I'd recommend Christians read the Quran uh, just to, to be aware. I think your appreciation of the Holy Bible will uh grow if you as you read the quran it'll be very different than what for me it was very different than i expected it was basically just an interpretation of the bible uh, by uh, uh muhammad but going back to the the, the pagans wh- why are they pagan they made choices in generations past to reject the knowledge of right. god and to worship the creation more than the creator. And I know that's a passage of scripture you're going to take us to shortly. I I am. We're going to go to that Romans 120. Um, I wrote down this statement. All people are accountable to God, whether or not they have heard a quote, heard about him. Uh, If if you just look at, okay, let's just look at going to heaven because we're going to be good. And and we did a, a podcast on how good is good enough. And if you want to know, about how good works get you to heaven, you go back and, and listen to how good is good enough. But if, if you just look at, okay, I'm going to be good. Who's good? Yeah. By what standard? By what standard? And how good is good enough? And how do we know when we cross the line? And, and the reality is, dude, we're going to miss it just because we're, we're lousy people. Yeah. In the pagan world, uh, we talk about those that haven't heard about Jesus are 99.9% in the pagan world throughout history. Uh, they, they have a knowledge of God, but they walked away from it. 
and they're an accountable for what they've walked away from. There is an awareness of God, but a choice that they've made not to seek that God. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's two forms of revelation, and I know we're going to go into that now, and this is huge. This is the answer to the question. There is the general revelation as God reveals himself to all people. As a little boy, before I knew the scriptures, I'd go out and we lived out in the country. There was very little light pollution back in those days. And I'd look up into the sky and I would see the stars and something happened inside of me every time I did that. It's like, I'm so little and somebody's so big. Those stars aren't by time and chance. Somebody twisted them into their eternal sockets. That's called general revelation. You just know that this is all not by time and chance. This is by plan and purpose. Well, here's the thing. If, if it was by time and chance, I've never seen anything so organized happen by time and chance. Perfect order. In the Perfect. Universe. And everything depends on everything else. I mean, literally, we're dependent on trees and plants, not yeah. just for food, but for oxygen. And they're dependent upon us for carbon dioxide. It's interrelated. It's, it's, it's a tri. It's a tri- I mean, and, and, of course, that's just a simple part, and it gets so complex. You go from uh, the the smallest particle, uh, an atom, uh, proton, electron, neutron, a trinity. Then you look into space. What do we see? Exactly the same thing. We see a sun surrounded by um, uh, planets, just like you see in in the in the, in the macro and the micro. It's all the same. It's all it's the same. Creator God. It's so, just mind boggling scientifically. Let's uh, let's jump here to the scripture on uh, uh, which has to do with creation. It's got to do with everything in um, Romans chapter one, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his being God, right? Uh, if you if you were to look it up, literally, it's God, not Jesus, but God as a whole. Um, the Godhead and the Godhead. Exactly. So, uh, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. And if you, and again, if you look up the word his in the Greek, it's going to reference God as a whole father, son, Holy spirit. We, in, in the old Testament, in Genesis chapter one, uh, verse one, it says in the beginning, God, and that God is, is in the plural form. And, uh, and it has just left me. What is that? 126. Let God, the singular God says, let us in the plural form, let us God, the father, son, Holy spirit. Yeah. yeah. What's the Greek or the Hebrew word for that? Elohim. Elohim. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I could <laughs> two points for the Duke. Meister. Two points for Duke. <laughs> it, uh, Elohim. Yeah. Elohim is God plural. And, and that word is not Elohim is not used here in Romans, but it's the references the same God mm-hmm. plural. Mm-hmm. And uh, I couldn't think of that to save my life. All right. So, so we see here in verse 20 for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. General revelation. God's spirit moves all people of all places of all times, whether they have or have not heard of the name of Jesus is secondary. God speaks by his very creation that he is. Yeah. He says, you'll, you'll, you'll look at, you'll look around the world and know that I did this. You'll know that I exist. You look at a rock. 
he's the rock of ages. You know, you look at a flower, he's the rose of Sharon. Amen. You look at a star, he's the bright morning star. He's everywhere physically present. And that's what overwhelmed me as a child before I knew anything from scripture at all. I just go out in the woods and just sit, climb a tree and sit and watch and listen and just experience my creator. It was, I do that just by myself for hours. Not even realizing that that's what you were doing. I, I think I was seeking him. Yeah. I, I don't know, but it was so satisfying to my soul. It was like my chapel. We didn't really yeah. weren't church people. That's interesting. Well, so we see in Romans one twenty that he reveals himself in nature. And then in Ecclesiastes 3.11, we're going to see that he reveals himself uh, in the hearts of people. Mm -hmm. So Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. And so in other words, he's put him in the hearts of people. He's put himself in the hearts of, of us, uh, except for uh, he's left out the work, how it first began and how it ended. And I think the beginning and the end is not earth, but him, mm -hmm. if that makes yeah. sense. Created by him, yeah. for him, and yeah. ultimately back to him. Exactly. And, and because he gave us, um, he gave us, an understanding of how the earth was created, Genesis chapter one, uh, actually one through 11, if you will. And then he's, he's given us how it's going to end in the book of revelation. So he's given us beginning and the end of that. So I'm thinking here, it says, except that no one can find out the work that God does since God has been, and yeah. God will always be because we can't, we can't even go back to the beginning of God because God's always been in the human conscience. There's an, there's awareness of God. There's an awareness Absolutely. of eternity. We're living, we're alive. We're, we have a fear of death. We don't want to die. We think, well, what comes after death? I don't believe animals have that capability. We talked about that in an earlier podcast. Which that was a great podcast. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> Found out this guy's got a soft heart. <laughs> you just thought he was this big tough guy, you know? Oh, my goodness. Think you cried three times when you're talking about your little dog. Oh, uh, <laughs> did not. <laughs> did too. <laughs> I cried because he's still there. No, <laughs> Bentley, he's an he's a ugly little dog. Oh, let's get back to it. All right, so anyway. Uh, that's so funny. <laughs> So, so we see that we see that God has revealed Himself in nature, and then He's revealed Himself uh, through the hearts of people. And and the the reality is, though, the the issue, and this is what you were talking about, the issue is not what God has done, but the fact that people people are always looking for a greater power, higher power, something to worship, something to look at. Even atheists, in their attempt to prove God does not exist. Are, they're consumed with the thought of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Their life kind of fighting against them. They're consumed with uh, God. With somebody, on they're fighting against somebody they don't even believe exists. <laughs> and right, and <laughs> it's their so, favorite topic. All right. So, so here's what I find interesting. Um, Bugs Bunny is a made up cartoon. I am not going to spend on the edge my, of my seat where you're going with this one. Well, <laughs> <laughs> come on, man, spit it out. <laughs> I am not going to focus my existence on trying to prove that Bugs Bunny's real. Uh, I, I'll get you. I'm just, I'm not. And, and, and anybody with any right mind, if they don't believe that something is real, they just leave it alone. An atheist can't do that. They are consumed to prove God does not exist. 
which shows something deeper into the heart and soul reveals what's in the, the dark side of the human total experience. denial. I yeah, mean, yeah. what it proves is God has shown himself in nature. God has shown himself in the heart of man. And then man is set on defying God. That, that's what it proves because if I don't believe it's true, why am I going to waste my time discussing it? So we come back to the original condition of man's heart following the fall. He's, he's separated from God. Uh, he's, uh, his intellect is darkened. His will is rebel- rebellious. His emotions are perverted. And he needs a savior. And, and, and that's what comes back to what you just said. Uh, we're, we're just, the, the bottom line is, honestly, we're just rebellious. And you go back to these people groups, they have a consciousness of, you know, we talked about they have a knowledge of the flood, they have the knowledge of the fall, they have the knowledge of, of the Tower of Babel. They also have a knowledge of sin, that t- right. sin needs to be atoned, and they're working towards an atonement by their good works or by their sacrifices to appease the wrath of the gods uh, so that they can be in good favor with the gods Think so their about spirit that. can be released. Yeah, they're trying, literally, they're sacrificing to try to get for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, if you didn't believe in a higher God or a higher power, why would you care? Yeah. You know, we start out with this question, uh, are the heathen are lost? Here, here's another question. Why would su- a suburban couple that I knew from my wife's home church in Detroit, Michigan, he was an executive at uh, General Motors. He went to the Gen- General Motors Institute, and this guy was young. He was on top of the world. He was making uh, $100,000 a year in the in the mid and late 60s, okay? This guy was right That's on That's a lot of money back then. He went to uh, Temple Baptist Church in Detroit, my wife's home church. Uh, Jesus knocked on the door of his heart. He was gloriously saved and began to grow. And he re- this question haunted him, are the heathen lost? And he studied the scriptures, and he came to the conclusion that they are. Yeah. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. So here he is, a young guy, his late 20s, two little kids, and a, a beautiful wife, and living in the Detroit suburbs on top of the world, loving Jesus, just living the life. But God spoke to him and said, this life uh, at, at, Fort, or at uh, General Motors is, is not your life calling. I want you to be a missionary. So he, he, he leaves all that behind, sells his house, goes to uh, the uh, New Tribes Missions Training School in oh, Grand yeah. Rapids, Michigan. Uh, a year later, he, he, after he finishes Bible Institute, he lands in the Amazon, in the jungles with his family. He had to learn the language of the people. And uh, while they were there on their first term in, in the village, tragedy took place. Uh, one of the greatest predator in the Amazon are those uh, python snakes that get up to 40, maybe even 50 feet long and weigh five, 600 pounds. Their little girl had disappeared from their hut and they went out and um, the little child had been killed by a giant python and uh, she was literally, her feet were hanging out of its mouth and she died. And they lost her little girl in their efforts to take the the name of Jesus to those that are in darkness. Mm. What would move a couple to make that kind of sacrifice? We we met them uh, on their first furlough after this happened, and now they're preparing to go back. He could walk right back into his um, comfort zone uh, economically, but there's something that drives people who love the Lord mm-hmm. to make 
even the ultimate sacrifice in order to get the name of Jesus to a people group who have nothing to offer us except uh, <laughs> difficulty, hardship, discomfort, and maybe maybe even death. Yeah, you, you think about that. He's given up everything to go to a people that don't even want him, to hear about something they don't care to hear about. Yeah, and here's how I connect those dots. In that those people groups, in the backside of the jungle or the backside of the Australia and the outback, wherever they are scattered in these remote places of the world, that same those same little boys are just like you and I, Johnny. Mm-hmm. When we were kids growing up in Ohio, we'd go out in the country at night and see the stars, and something would happen in our heart. Our little little dookie heart would reach out, and I know you're out there, God. Uh, I think you're real and you're big and you're awesome and knowing you would probably be the awesomest thing in the whole wide world. And those, those little pagan kids in those cultures, they do the same thing. And when they do, they're responding to God's general revelation, the stars, the trees, the monkeys, the birds, the spiders, the waterfalls. They're responding to the general revelation and their little hearts are reaching out to God and God sees that and God on the other side of the world moves somebody's heart could be, it was yours and mine to move us yeah. to upstate New York, you know, not that they were pagans in, in, in the same way, but yeah, there's because, a lot you know, of paganism here. The, the truth is I'm not in New York for me. We're here for others. Yeah. I mean, because you had the business, you had a uh, better climate, <laughs> you oh my had goodness. less taxes. Yeah. So I had, I had a great running business. I had, um, a great, I mean, North Carolina, the, the temperature is always wonderful. The sun always shines. New York, it's always gray in the winter. And, and I mean, it's just like, there's a huge difference. And then it cost me a lot of money to move from North Carolina to Missouri and then to go to Bible college and then go from Missouri to New York to start a church. Uh, financially, none of that was in my favor. What are the profession? Do you get your education, pay for all of that, finish your education, go to begin your career? For us, it's church planting where you don't get paid for it. <laughs> a dentist, he gets paid for it when he starts his practice. We don't get paid for it. We have to win people to Christ, uh, teach them to, yeah. to tithe and, and to give financially, find a place to meet. We don't have any resources and, and start telling people about Jesus and have enough of them do that yeah. to where they begin to give to where maybe we our, our salary would be provided. It took me five years by vocational before our church had enough money to pay me a salary. What other career do you do that? But it's 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 an honor to to be a part of that. You get to see yeah. the hand of God providing for because, us. And and that's, the reality is, again, it, it comes back to this is not about us. This it's a it's about people, Johnny. People sitting in in, in non biblical type churches here right. uh, across New York, and, and of course, it's mostly a secular society now. Just people here that are unchurched, not, not biblically uh, aware, not biblically literate. Uh, Barna survey said Albany, New York is the darkest spiritual city in America. In America, yeah. And I, I can't think of a better place for us to be. Yeah. But we're here yeah. for a reason because there are people here, just like those little pagan kids, uh, reaching out when they see a monkey, they're thinking that monkey's not by time and chance. There's a creator. The monkey eats this fruit, and then that tree gives. Well, did you, did you ever hear or read the book Torture for Christ, I, Richard Wormbrandt? I did years ago. Yeah, okay. excellent in, book. In that book, it 
It, and the only, when you brought up monkey, I don't know why this reminded me of it. Here we go, man. <laughs> but, <laughs> so they, uh, Johnny and I killed a lot of brain cells uh, last three years, so here uh, we just bear just with us. Ride this, ride the ride. Uh, but in that book, Tortured for Christ, Richard Warren Brandt was talking about a couple who they made their living ma- making uh, statues. And so they, they used a hammer and a chisel and they would chisel the stone and make these statues for the, for the, uh, the government. And one day they're making these statues and they're, ding, 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 you know, they're carving it out using a hammer and chisel. And the, the gentleman stops and he looks to his wife and he says, there's gotta be a God. And she's like, well, I think so too, but how do we know who God is or what God is and how are we supposed to find out and so on and so forth? And they said, well, since we don't know uh, who that God is, we're going to believe in the God of the thumb. Because without the thumb, man would be so limited in everything that he did. Yeah, like the chimpanzee. They don't have the thumb capability. Yeah, so they, they, they said we're going to choose to believe in the God of the thumb. Well, it isn't, but about a year later that God sends Richard Wormbrandt oh my. to them and he shares Jesus with them. And they said that they believed in Jesus. And as soon as they believed in Jesus, they said, now we know who the God of the thumb is. And they gave their life to Christ. You know, I had a similar experience like that in my early days of pastoring soon after I arrived in New York, I've always believed that little philosophy thing here. We know that love is eternal, right? has Mm -hmm. no end. If I haven't seen some good friends of mine or family members in years and we reconnect, it's like that love is just right right there, there. right there. Well, that's the part that we experience. Love has no end, but by the definition of, of eternity, eternity has the front side, but it also has the backside. So, Uh, God so loved the world, that love that is manifested in a certain point, but it always was. Love has no beginning. It's really crazy to think right. about this. Love has no beginning. It has no end, but does have a moment of manifestation. So when I'm leaving uh, Springfield, Missouri to come to New York to launch my church, I'm already praying for people that I already love. Right. I just haven't met them yet. You just haven't met them yet. Yeah. So, Isn't that the craziest thing though? And it's so, so powerful. So what is a privilege God gives us who follow Jesus, this, this sweetness in our soul, just from day to day, knowing there'll be divine connections with people, divine appointments. And it just, it just, it's, it's, I never get, it never gets old. So we come to New York, believing there'll be people that we love. We just haven't met him yet. And I'm, it's like my second day. I knock on a door. This young, uh, young man comes to the door. He's 15 years old. He could have passed for 20. He was very physically fit. He played football. I'm thinking, what college turned out to be a high school football team in Shenandoah, just nearby here. And uh, he said, I'll come to church. And he did. And so I followed up, went to his house uh, the following Thursday, knocked on the door and his mother came to the door and she, uh, she was kind of hesitant. She knew that her son went to some kind of church in the basement of a bank. Who is this guy? It's a cult. So she comes to the door and she says this, she goes, we're looking for an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing uh, uh, Baptist church that that teaches from the King James Bible. That's what she told me. How funny. <laughs> I said, well, here's my King James Bible, and my name is Pastor Duke. The name of our church is Temple Baptist Church. 
she had a, a, a brother who came to Christ in, in one of our sister churches in Connecticut, it turns out. And she was praying. She felt like whatever happened in my brother's life is real. And she respected him. He had a great testimony. He's a wonderful man of God. And she just knew that whatever he had was the real deal. So that's what she was looking for. Isn't that crazy? Now, she, she saw it. And so that's what she's looking for. And all of a sudden, a 24-year-old kid, when I was 24, I looked like I'm about 18. I, I'm standing at her doorstep. And she just had that aha moment, like, oh, the God of the thumb. You're, it's the, the God, God of, of the thumb. thumb. What she was seeking, she found. So God's yep. got to take me from Ohio to Missouri to upstate New York to knock on her door in DNR Village uh, Mobile Home Park in Clifton Park, New York. See, there's a God that connects all those dots. Right. And so, and that's the thing is when we talk about, you know, we ask the question, what happens to those who've never heard? Um, I believe the, the, the problem isn't that people haven't told them. The problem is that people reject the knowledge of God and then rebel against him because it doesn't fit their desires. That That's the problem is we shouldn't be asking what happens to the people that God never speaks to because God would have all to come to the knowledge and understanding of Christ. John 1, 9, Jesus Christ lighteth the path That's right. of every man that cometh into the world, period. It begins with general revelation. As people respond to that, mm -hmm. God will connect the dots. He'll bring somebody with the rest of the message. A absolutely, all the time. Uh, uh, the problem isn't God. The problem is man. Romans one twenty one through 23 because although they knew God they did not glorify him as God nor were thankful but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened professing to be wise they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things and then it goes on where God gives them over to their reprobate mind and so on and so forth and lets them believe what they want to believe. But the problem is not God. The problem is man. It's always been man. God is knocking on the door of their lives by awareness of his presence. And they're saying, get out of Dodge. We don't want any part of this. They just pull out their pocket knife, carve out a little image and paint it up and call it God. Yep. And then what happens is God can uh, I'm sorry, Romans one twenty four continues on to tell us how God responds to the re to man rejecting him. He lets them walk away. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And, and by the way, the, the serving the creature rather than the creator could be just serving other men or people as well as animals or or anything that's been created by god yeah uh, idols can come in many forms idols in many forms verse 26 for this reason god gave them for this reason god gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. I had someone asked me one time, they said, well, if God gives you over to the, to the debased mind, doesn't that mean that he leaves you? 
No, God's always there. We've left him. God just said, this is my realm, and you have to stay in this if you want to stay in, in the pocket of my protection. He gave him, he gave him volition, he gave him a choice. That's right. He made the choice, and now they have the consequence of the choice, and they want to blame God for the consequences of their choice. Yep. And so 28 says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness. I noticed that uh, in almost every time it begins with sexual immorality. When you reject God's authority, it shows up in your morality. It, every, every time. Every time. And that's what he says here in 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Ooh. Romans chapter 1 lays it all out. Romans not chapter only does Not only does it tell us that they are lost, it tells us why. It takes us back to the beginning, what happened. Exactly. But Jesus still loves them. Yeah, he th- still that, convic- that's, the, that's the amazing part. He doesn't give up on them. He doesn't. I, I, when we look at this, and I know people, I'm, I'm going to tell you, there, and I know, listen, I know some of you that are listening to this or you're watching this podcast, some of you, you, the hair just stood up on the back of your neck and you are growling. But you have to understand what I just read is the way God sees man because that's the way man acts toward God. And he's just, he, here's what he's doing. He's taking a mirror and just stick it in our, uh, sticking it, putting it in our face. <laughs> the Bible says in that, that, te- that text, he turned them over. He did. But he doesn't say he gave up on them. Right. He still convicts all these people, yeah. sin of righteousness and judgment. He still reveals himself to them through natural revelation. He will still respond to them as they respond to him. Mm-hmm. If they walk in the light they have, he promises to send them more light. Yeah. And, and, and again, it goes back to the problem, uh, isn't that uh, that people have not heard about God? The problem is they've rejected uh, the what, God they've heard about. Yeah, exactly. They've already rejected about the God they've heard about, what they've heard about God, and uh, what's what's readily already available. They've they've rejected that. Yeah. I had uh, someone tell me one time I, I shared the gospel. And, and they said, um, you don't own Christianity. <laughs> and I said, you're right, but I know the one who does. Yeah, yeah. And, and well, what makes, there's many paths to heaven. No, there's not. There's but one, Jesus Christ says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father who is in heaven except by me or through me. And people go, well, I don't believe it. Okay, so it's not that God didn't tell you. God told you, you just didn't you refuse to believe it yeah you set yourself up as god's judge and yeah. you stand before him one day you know people get angry you believe jesus is the only way to heaven hey we only need one way to heaven he provided it just jump on the jesus train and, and have everlasting life yeah they'll get angry god he made a way enter into it enter into the straight gate for narrow is the way that leadeth unto life and few be there that find it yeah if he lights your path walk in the light it's a dangerous thing to have light and not walk in it 
Oh my goodness. Because the spirit of the Lord will not always strive with man. Exactly. He knocks on the door of your heart. It's important there, to open it. Well, and that's what I say. There is, you know, there is a time where God goes, okay, have it your way. Um, you know, but, but if a person truly desires uh, to know God, God will make himself known. Deuteronomy 4.29 says this. But from there, you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. That's the key. Mm -hmm. That is the key. Listen, listen, God says, here I am, and if you want to know me, you got to get serious about it. And if you get serious about it, I will reveal myself to you in an amazing way. And all through Scripture, we see that. And the Bible says God seeketh those to worship him. He, yeah. uh, he gets excited about it when he begins to light our path, we begin to respond to that. And then he sends more light and, and okay. So the problem, it, God's, God's going to send more light. God's going to, God's going to do all he can to get every person that wants to come to him. And I'm not saying every person uh, that he's not going to do all he can to get every person that he can, because God already owns everyone. Now is we have to decide whether we want him as our God. In Romans 3, 11 uh, through 12, and, and we're gonna, I want to discuss this passage with you uh, as we read it. And again, you and I have not discussed this. So I'm like, oh, yeah, here you go. <laughs> Sometimes Johnny flies by the seat of his pants. I get so excited. <laughs> right, because usually I've got it all laid out, and then uh, here we go. So, Rub it off on you, man. So the, the problem um, – uh, is uh, that there's no one who understands God and no one who seeks God. And so God has to come after us. In Romans 3, 11 through 12, it says this. Uh, I, actually, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to nine first. Okay. Uh, I think nine needs to be brought into this. Okay. What then are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. So everyone's equal because we're all sinners. That's what he's saying. Nobody's better than anyone else. Even though he's talking to the Jews. The here. Jews were the monotheistic religion and the Greeks were the polytheistic yes. religion. Yes. And so he's saying, listen, uh, the, the way we're all even is we're all sinful. We're all sinners. We're all guilty, but I love y'all. Yes. So then he goes into 10. He goes, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands and there is none who seeks after God. Usually it's always been taught that there's no one that seeks after God and, and, you know, God, you can't go after God. So earlier when you were looking up there and you're like, man, I wonder if there's a God, it's got to be someone who's made all of that. And people will say, no, no, you didn't have the ability to do that because God didn't open your eyes. Usually Calvinists will say that. And then they'll use this passage that there is no one who understands and there's no one who seeks after God. Verse 11. But I think that Paul justifies this statement and brings clarity to this statement when he gets to verse 12. It's not that we don't have the ability. What he's saying is, here's why. Here's why no one understands, and here's why no one seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have all, they have together become unprofitable, and there's no one who does good. No, not one. So the reason that no one understands God and no one's seeking after God is because they've chosen to follow their own God and to leave him and go about their way. It's not because we don't have the ability to cry out and to believe in the God of the thumb. Yeah. One, one side of the coin says there's none to seeketh after God 
the other side of the same coin is seek and you will find. I know. <laughs> and and then people, people and then people go, well, there's a contradiction right there in the no, Bible. I, I, they can say that, but we but know there's no contradiction. We know, there's not. Right. We know that. The Spirit of God, He's not willing that any should perish. You right. quoted that verse. He's He wants all to come to repentance. Mm-hmm. So God is the initiator. I would not seek God without His initiation. Right. No man uh, uh, can come to me except the Father draws him. Mm-hmm. So the Spirit of God takes the initiative. He uses natural uh, but, revelation. But He takes the initiative with everyone. Everyone, every time, every people group, forever. He initiates it because he is love. He's not willing that any should right. perish. Right. And then as he initiates it, our side of that is as our responding to the initiation right. that he does is what we would call seeking. Right. I feel like I was a seeker the, the last Christmas Eve before I was saved, Christmas Eve, 1971, went Christmas caroling and didn't know any of the songs. So it failed. We just went around and looked at lights. I felt so empty. Coming home to a material Christmas, I was so depressed. I sat on the front of my car. It was about five degrees above zero, no wind, stars shining. And I sat out there on the front of my car where it was kind of warm on the, the hood of the car. And I cried and I looked up in those stars and I, I asked God, who are you? I need help. My life's a mess. See, he was he was taking the, the yuck of my life right. and he was saying this ain't working you need me you and need me he was drawing me i'm responding to him right and six months later i'm on my knees crisis in my heart amen you think it's a quinky dink to that that 17 year old girl sitting across from me in every class just like god sent me to talk to that that young mother uh we're looking for this kind of a church it's it's the hand of god taking the redemptive story through just schmucks like us yep bringing it to people who are fallen and hurting, yep. whether it's that pagan and in, in, in the Aboriginal people groups and somebody, an executive from General Motors comes and take, brings them the gospel. It's just the work, you know, we're talking about, are they lost? And, and the answer is yes, yes. But, but, but God doesn't want them to stay lost. Mm-hmm. God has a plan to redeem them. He begins to respond. Well, and, and this is what Paul in Romans is talking about here in three eleven and 12, when he says, uh, there's none righteous, no, not one. Uh, there is none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have all become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. And then he explains in in more detail what that looks like. Verse 13, their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they've practiced deceit, the poison of aspis under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Mm-hmm. The That's depraved, the problem. The depraved condition. Yeah, it's, it's not God because God, even there in all that's going on, has made himself clear. He's he says, hey, here I am. Look at everything I made. Look at creation. Uh, I've put it on your hearts. Deuteronomy says that he put it in the heart of every man. Romans says that you could see through his nature that he's there. And so, therefore, every human being is without excuse. Now, what about those who have never heard about Jesus? Okay. And, and, and I'm, I'm pushing this in because we need, to, we need to wrap it up for one because of time. But I, want, I really want to get to... Um, to the, the straight up answer. There's, there's a few ways that God speaks to man. 
And I believe that God has done this with every human being. At some way, some point, whether, whether they're the God of the thumb, and so he sends a man to tell him about the God of the thumb. Or if they're out on an island, because, you know, everybody comes up with this scenario that is absolutely worst case. So they're out on an island. They're all alone. Nobody knows they're there. Uh, they got they got fell off of a boat and as a, as a infant and somehow they managed to survive and yeah, grow and up four and, hour tour. And, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and they've never heard the name Jesus. Well, let's talk about the people that haven't landed on that Island yet. And then we're going to talk about that Island in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. We that know are commanded to tell everyone 19 and 20 go therefore and make disciples. That's win people to Jesus of all nations. That means leave nobody out baptizing them in the name of the father, the son and the Holy spirit uh, so that they know what specific and exact God that they have accepted. And, and there's no, there's, there's complete clarity in, in their belief or who they believe in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age or the end of the world. And so Jesus says, listen, here's the deal. Go win them, tell them about me, win them, get them baptized, teach them all the things that I've taught you. That's the heartbeat of the church, missions. We're That's on. why we came to New York. That's right. That's why we're here. That's why the missionary went out into, into the, uh, the jungle and sacrificed his daughter, yeah. if you will. You know, the, most evangelical conservative Christians believe in tithing. It was, it was before the old, uh, before the law it was in the law, and Jesus commended it after the law. And so we we tithe of our increase, believing that as we give to God, He'll give give unto us. It'll be His favor, and it's our part of our act of worship. But this "Go ye therefore and teach all nations" that's the mission of the church. And uh, my wife and I probably if we 20 fail years in, ago, if we fail in that, we failed. Yeah, about twenty years ago, God put on our heart to give another ten percent to world missions. We give now more to world missions than we do even in our tithe because. I take that calling. I'm so grateful to have the light in my heart. I'll, I'll sacrifice in this world. I won't live in as big a nice a house as I could. I won't drive the nicest cars. I won't have all the, the toys that this world says you need to have. I'll sacrifice those to to invest in, in young women and men and young Amen. families. They'll take the gospel to these yep. places. And we've spent... Uh, probably a million dollars uh, getting the gospel to pl places where they don't yet know the name of Jesus. That's huge uh, in the heart. I, and I don't, I don't think God will bless a church until they get on the missions. To be, just to be honest, because I think, yeah, I think that's it. Acts 1 8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria and to the end of the earth. And that never left. Uh, that that was for the the early disciples, and then in Matthew, it that was the continuation for us. Yeah, the end of the earth, the ends of the earth then are the same to us. The ends of the earth today, exactly. And we face that. Missionary Tim Downs, friend of mine, went to Bible school with, said, "Wouldn't you rather be here facing the responsibility of sending the gospel out, or would you rather be facing the responsibility to be on the other side waiting for somebody to come?" I want to be the one going, yeah, because um, that means I, that means I'm already secure. And we already came to New York. We yeah. want to take our financial gain and and send it to world missions to get the gospel to those that are in darkness. Okay, with passion. So let me ask you this: uh, I have a verse for it. <laughs> 
But what do we do with the with the 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 guy on the island that somehow landed there as an infant, managed to survive, grew up, never heard the name of Jesus, never knew the gospel, didn't hear of anything. Uh, what do we do with him? Does he have the same opportunity to go to heaven as we do? Give me the verse. That was wisdom in that answer. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Johnny, you got to remember, I'm the nice guy here. You're the nice guy? Uh, <laughs> Revelation 14, 6. And God's here's what, word. Is, it, listen, here's what we know, or here's what I know, and this is what I've learned studying out the word of God. God would have none to perish. And if God would have none to perish, that means God has to go to every length and every extent that he can to make sure everyone hears the gospel. And uh, this is going to come as a shocker, and some of you are going to be a little uh, hurt by this, I think, because you're like, oh, we're the only hope God has. <laughs> no, you're not. God has angels, and God uses angels. And angels are called messengers. Revelation 14.6 says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Who was left out? Nobody. Nobody. You know, it's interesting, Johnny. I didn't know where you were going with that, but probably, uh, probably. Yeah, I know it was a little set up. <laughs> about 10 years ago, uh, a pastor friend of mine from New Jersey said, Google up um, Muslim dreams of Jesus. Muslim dreams of Jesus. Just Google that. This is incredible. Saved. And oh multitudes goodness. of Muslims Thousands are coming to Jesus a month. And this is how it's happening. They're having dreams. They're seeing angels in dreams. And there's, this is a continuity. It's happening all over the world in Islamic countries. Because if you and I go in there, they'll kill us. They'll kill us. And so we can't. But through, we'll, we'll, we'll pray for them and we'll sacrifice to get, get the gospel up to the edge. We'll get Bibles in there. We'll smuggle them in somehow. And if we die, we die. But, but God's reaching them through dreams and visions. And, and, and angels. They're did, seeing angels in their, in their dreams. Did you, did you hear about the, the Muslim that got saved? Uh, because of the blue Bible or the blue book. I'm, I'm not familiar with this story. So there was a, a Muslim who had a dream and uh, it was a dream about a blue book. And in the dream uh, and in that dream, all he kept seeing was a blue book on a shelf and a voice that kept telling him, find the blue book, find the blue book, find the blue book. This went on for months. It was driving him crazy. So finally he decided I've got, I don't know where the blue book is. I don't know what the blue book is, but I'm going to find the blue book. And so he goes all around the bookstores, all around, even leaves his country and goes to other countries trying to find a blue book. He has made this his mission. He cannot find the blue book. He goes back home. This is about a, after a month of, of searching for a blue book like this. He's just dedicated his life. So he goes back home, which is over in Iran, Iraq, Iran. He's... And then he, he thought, you know what? Let me go into this local Muslim book, uh, uh, bookstore. And he goes in there, Qurans everywhere, books everywhere. And he looks to the right in the corner, and there's a blue book on the shelf. He runs over to it, grabs the blue book, goes to the, to the gentleman up behind the, the counter and uh, pays him for it, takes the blue book, and leaves and goes home, opens it up. 
It's the Holy Bible that he found in a Muslim shop at home. He sits down and reads that book cover to cover. Could not stop. Could not leave it alone. And then he receives Christ as his Savior. Dreams and visions. And angelic interventions. All the, yeah. I'd encourage our audience to do that. Just It'll thrill your soul to uh, plan on spending several uh, joyous hours uh, seeing Jesus reveal himself uh, where there is no gospel witness because Satan forbids it. He won't uh, allow that to happen. And, and he's thinking if he keeps, if he keeps uh, a voice out that nobody can reach them, but God's like, no, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm more than that. I've seen so many of those stories. It's very common. They'll see an angel in the vision and angels say, go to such and such park across town, go up to the sliding board, look for a guy wearing a, a, a red shirt and a white ball cap. And they are so moved that they do that and they go up and that, that guy in the blue shirt and the white ball cap or the red shirt and the white ball cap is a, is a Christian. Right. And he shares the gospel and, and they're says, like, Oh my goodness. I had, I had a vision and, in a dream to come here and I think you have a message that I need to hear it's happening over and over and over again so we can't blame God for people being stupid no well first off I want to finish reading this uh revelation 14 6 and then it goes into 7 and finishes it up because uh this is clarity in what we were just saying then I saw in verse 6 then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who, who dwell on the earth And then he goes on and says to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, verse seven, saying with a loud voice, fear God, give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Tells us that missions worked. God used the church's responsibility to world missions to get the gospel to all those who seek. And, And anyone that lives on the island that we can't get to, God's going to send an angel. I believe so. Absolutely, I believe so. Because why would he say I would have none to perish, and then why would he say it's fair for those who have never heard the gospel to go to hell? God, That is not God. And God will go to every length possible to capture us. The, the question is, are we willing to surrender, or are we going to have the heart of those that were in Romans chapter one mm-hmm. is if we walk in the light, see is in the light, more light will shine. Amen. He'll, he'll open our eyes. We'll be able to see. There'll be no more questions. Your answers will be answered with clarity. You will be moved to do amazing things. And before you know it, you'll be the missionary going to and fro telling someone about Jesus. So to answer the question, uh, what happens to those who have never heard about Jesus God takes care of that. God is a loving God. God is a God that says, I would have none to perish. That means he'll go after every human being in his way, whether it's angels, dreams, visions, or he uses your, you or I, God will get, make sure that every human being has an opportunity to make the choice. Plan A, plan B and plan C, Johnny. It's all it. Yep. He loves us. He loves us. Hey guys, I really hope that this has helped you. I hope that, Um, that you can gain insight from this and share with someone that you know. If this has helped you, please like, follow, share, subscribe. It really helps us out. Until next week, God bless and have a great one.